people are good at <laughs> people are good at identifying other people's feelings, just like horses. Are. Yeah, it's like people are good at being horses. Yeah. People are good at being horses. That's the moral of the story oh for this God. episode. Well, if you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out of the box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about what to do when your partner is feeling hesitant about polyamory. Chances are, if you are listening to our podcast, you are the one with an interest in non-monogamy, and you may be encountering the less-than-thrilled feelings of an existing partner or a new partner. God, haven't we all been there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in both scenarios, I think, also. I do want to say, though, that, that also... Um, you know, if you are listening to this because you are the one who is feeling more hesitant, that it can also be really useful to yeah. to get for both of you to get the perspective of the other a little mm-hmm. bit. Because mm-hmm. yeah, like you're saying, we've both been on on both sides of this. Yeah, on either. I mean, points. I've definitely been on either side of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have both of you though, because Jace, you were the one who came to me about it specifically, right? Um, yeah, in terms of of polyamory, yeah, like I've I was definitely have never been in the position of not being sure I want to try that. Yeah, but I, I have had that with other partners, relationship structures or relationship yeah. things where it's sort of like, you know, whether it's some particular type of group sex or like a particular way they want to do a relationship that there's kind of that like I don't know like I'm just more hesitant I'm not totally closed off to it but I'm not you know what I mean like whatever yeah. it is like I've, yeah. I've been in that in different situations yeah um, that's similar for yeah. me and that's actually previewing something I kind of want to hit a little bit later on okay. in this podcast about that okay yeah, Great. cool so yeah. the reason that we're doing this topic is because Emily you got a question at an event that we did recently yeah so Dedeker was on this incredible polyamory panel with Janet Hardy, one of the co-authors of The Ethical Slut, and also Tristan Taramino, um, which, uh, who is who the author up. of Opening Up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Dedeker Winston, author of The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory, yeah, was, was crazy. also on this panel. Um, but I had a woman come up to me when the two of them were off somewhere, and it, uh, just really quickly she asked, like, well, I have a partner who um, I'm introducing polyamory to, and I'm not really sure how to get them into it because they seem really hesitant about it mm-hmm. um, and so we didn't have a lot of time to talk about it and so I was like hey so I, I hope think she we finds this podcast this. Yeah, <laughs> we should talk yeah. about this for sure um, so yeah kind of went into that but and how, it's, yeah. yeah it's a very common situation right you know either if you're a couple who's been monogamous up to this point and now you're opening up for the first time maybe one of you is more gung-ho about it one of you is not so sure about it yeah. or if you've been poly or non-monogamous for a long time when you're relatively comfortable with it but you start dating someone new who's brand new to it you know if you're going to start poly prenticing someone who's still kind of feeling out like i don't know if this is for me or not which is a slightly different situation but 
can right. still be similar in that way. Yeah. Well, and can I say that even if you are established in this, but for whatever reason, like, you and your partner haven't been dating that often, or, like, you kind of were in a monopoly situation, and then now your partner is going to start dating, that sometimes these things can be good to revisit at that time. Mm. Sure. Like, I yeah. think... Yeah, I definitely had a, a time um, maybe like six months ago where my partner who had been more monogamous was starting to date someone and I got like really riled up about it and like having feelings of jealousy and feelings of like anxiety about it and it was good to sort of rehash out like why I was feeling those things and sort of do some of these methods. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and just like Emily was saying that we got this question at the panel or that, that Emily mm-hmm. did that uh, just like a day or two before that a friend of mine was asking me a very similar thing yeah uh, with her and her boyfriend where you know her boyfriend was more um has actually her husband in this case yeah uh, but was you know hesitant and they were trying to get back into it and she was looking for resources and i realized we didn't have a specific episode about this recently yeah it's because i just remembered at the panel um because we also had some tables set up so that those of us who had books could do some signings or sell books and I don't remember if M was there for this but the guy came up who was like is this a good book for giving to someone who oh, right. I'm trying to convince to be poly wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and what did you say yes uh, obviously uh, that's well, what I said that's yeah. it yeah I let Jace do the talking because I feel weird talking about my own book sometimes sure but yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, like, I signed it, and I was like, should I sign it? Being like, don't be scared, or like, good luck, good luck. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I feel weird about that because I think, I mean, I think that obviously books are very helpful in this arena. And obviously, myself, you know, I read The Ethical Slut, and that was my big first foray into it, and that was really helpful. But the act of, like, giving your partner a book of, like, this is yeah. what I'm interested in can be a little bit uh, but then I don't know it's yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes it can be good I think for people to have a common language if they've both read the same book mm. that's a good that, point yeah, yeah to have a common language like common reference points yeah. rather than just one person being like well I read this book and this is what it says to do yeah so you know? we're doing this now yeah. totally yeah yeah, yeah. nice um, so we broke this down into a few sort of categories so mm-hmm. let's just get started on that so yeah. the first one we called warming up mm-hmm. so this is kind of about you know what do you do before you're actually taking those steps into it and yeah, you're just kind of having those yeah you're having those discussions you're trying to think of like how can we build sort of a foundation for this and how can we get our communication working you yeah. know in, in the right way to 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 enter into this feeling as strong as possible. Yeah, because a lot of people are already just, like, so intimidated by the idea of bringing up the topic at all. Absolutely. You know, and that can vary wildly depending on what your channel of communication is like with your partner. Sometimes people are already very open, and it's maybe a little bit easier to bring it up in the first place. Some people, it's very closed to talk about any kind of meta relationship stuff, and it's very, very scary. Um, We do have a great blog post on our website by Gracie X. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think I think the title is pretty on the nose. It's just like how to talk to your partner about yeah. opening up your relationship. Right. Um, she gives some really good tips. You know, things like you know, if you're really scared about their reaction, maybe don't focus so much on the vocabulary because sometimes even saying the phrase polyamory or mm. open marriage or swinging brings a lot of attachments and associations with yeah, it. So, so true. trying to find some some. Uh, different vocabulary for it mm-hmm. emphasizing things like that there's not going to be any fast hairpin turns or emphasizing things like 
uh, you know, I want us to explore this together. Mm-hmm. Or I think that the that one of my favorite tips of hers is um, uh, is how when you ask about it, like not even asking, "Hey, so I've been thinking about opening our marriage," or "Hey, mm-hmm. what do you think about polyamory?" Be like, "Hey, how would you feel about having a conversation about?" non-monogamy you know um, which is softening it but putting the emphasis on like having the conversation rather than doing the action can help to also soften that a little bit yeah right Mm -hmm. Uh, I also you know in doing that too once you start having that conversation I know that's something that Emily and I ran into Mm -hmm. when we opened up our relationship years ago was that you know, we started, you know, we were going to do an open relationship and then we found this term polyamory and, yeah. you know, looked up books and stuff. And I was reading uh, Sex at Dawn and she was reading The Ethical Slut. And we both ended up with very different ideas of what polyamory could look like mm. because of the examples in those. And I think it's also important, like Decker was saying, that if you jump in with the term polyamory or jump in with the term open marriage, people have all these associations and that might not even be what you're looking for. Exactly. That may not even be where you guys end right. up. That's the yeah. best for you. Right. Yeah. Whereas, like, when Emily was reading The Ethical Sled, she'd be like, oh, my gosh, I was just reading this section about, like, people, you know, all living together and, and raising a kid. Like, is that what you want then? Is yeah. that? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. That it's, uh, yeah, there can be those associations. Even if you are doing your due diligence and reading the books, it yeah. can still be, uh, you know, you might find it it helps I guess to read sort of the same thing or to do it in such a way that you still have open discussion but it's not just like here's a book that explains what I want because no one book's going to summarize exactly Exactly. your part of that journey right now well and can I piggyback off of this I know I'm jumping ahead slightly but but to truly assess like what your partner's needs are Mm -hmm. and what their wants are and then go back and say like what are my needs and wants with this Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're coming forward and saying like hey I'm the one who wants to be non-monogamous but kind of trying to assess like what you think that that would look like yeah and then having them do the same and like what best case scenarios are what worst case scenarios are Mm -hmm. um, try to you know how to work around both of those well I feel like this exercise part of why it fits into this warming up category Mm -hmm. is because it's also just a good exercise to do even if you're not opening up a relationship sure if you're just you have no plan to change your monogamous relationship (laughs) to anything else absolutely still a really great thing to do so let's let's talk about that a little bit now since we're on the subject yeah yeah certainly Um, I know that I've mentioned on this podcast a couple times and also I mentioned in my book about when I wrote my constitution Mm -hmm. um I wrote this crazy, like, 10-page document that was modeled off of the U.S. Constitution and, like, with super flowery... Nerd. Nerdy language. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, it's um, great. It's great. Most of my partners that I showed it to were like, this is weird. Um, <laughs> but it, like, very clearly and specifically laid out, like, these are the things that I expect in all of my relationships, and these are the things... Like, these are things that I want to receive, and these are the things I'm willing to give. Mm-hmm. to my partners as well. So things like I want to receive the ability to have like privacy with each of my partners or the ability to have intimate moments with each of my partners, such as being able to say I love you, being able to introduce them to family members, being able to travel with them. Um, you know, things like I want to I be able for there to be space for both myself and whatever partner to express feelings, positive or negative, and opinions and thoughts, things like that. Um, 
And it was, I mean, it was a crazy exercise, but it was so illuminating to really break down, like, really, what is it that I want and what I envision? What does that look like? That's that's outside of just being like, well, I just want happy relationships or well, other and, relationships. And a lot of the things that you put in there was were not just specific to polyamory, like the example yeah. you gave. Oh, yeah. Like, one of them was just about being spoken to mm. with respect whether it's good times or you're in bad times. Yeah, right? I love that one. Yeah. But also um, that you said specifically, like, this is what I'm going to give and this is what I expect to get, that it is like a two-way yeah, street Yeah, there. exactly. It's not exactly. just like, well, you need to do all this, but also I will do this for you. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I kind of tried to make this... Yeah, again, this give and take, like this idea, like, sure, I expect that, like, my privacy and the privacy of my partners will be respected, but in turn, I'm going to give that same respect of respecting your privacy and letting you have private and intimate moments with your partners, things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, and I don't always think that somebody may, like, say, oh, yeah, obviously, to that. Like, that really, the fact that you put that in there so specifically was great. But I think what's interesting with the whole Constitution thing is, Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people in this world, in this community, talk about, like, coming up with agreements or coming up Mm -hmm. with contracts with a particular partner or with all of your partners. And I do think that's great, but I think it's really important to make it for yourself alone also. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. to, like, kind of you know in your imagination put yourself in this vacuum where it's like the partners that you have don't exist like you're just thinking about yourself alone as an individual and like what kind of relationships would you want what do you how would you want to be treated exactly so that it's not based on just like what's the best blend of what i want with plus what this partner what i think they want or plus what i think this partner wants you know what is truly the blend of what i want yeah Um, that that can also be very illuminating Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um we talked about this other thing of practicing talking in detail about former partners yeah yeah so where did that come from again so that came from with um some people that we know yes, that we're yes, working with right of now course. um a couple who's opening up in the process of opening up their marriage yeah. and they got a lot of value out of spending quite a lot of time talking to each other about past relationships mm-hmm. and not just in the no- way we normally do of like complaining about a stupid ex right. you know um, but really getting into detail of like what did you love about this person what did yeah. this person love about you what were the highlights what was the most challenging like when you guys were sexual together like did they introduce anything to you did you discover anything like what did you like about the sex what did you not like about the sex um and being able to share that with each other was, they found it was a really good kind of training ground yeah. for then being able to talk about other relationships mm-hmm. that they might have in the present. Because that's like, we don't have these social scripts for talking to a loved, like to a romantic partner about other romantic partners. No, right. not Like at all. that whole realm is something that we still kind of stumble through and we're not sure how to talk about. But mm-hmm. being able to talk about in detail about a relationship you had in the past not just the bad parts but also the good parts I think is really good training and I think also can be very another illuminating exercise because if you're finding that listening to your partner talk positively about an ex brings up something in you sure like I mean that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing and that you can never be non-monogamous or whatever but that's just something to be aware of yeah oh huh like it makes me feel a little weird listening to my partner have a you know talk about good memories with someone else right yeah yeah and there can be all sorts of different sources of what those insecurities might come from whether it's uh you know whether it's it touches on something that you feel inadequate in yourself those are kind Mm. of the obvious things we might look at but i've also found a surprising one is that often uh i will i would have jealousy triggered by 
someone having an experience or something in their life that I haven't let myself have, even mm. if I might have wanted it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, whether that's a sexual experience or a type of relationship or a number of relationships or you know whatever it is, that I'll be I'll I'll be jealous or like almost want to feel like it's bad that they did that thing because it's something that I've kind of wanted to do but I've never let myself because I was too scared it would offend someone else. Hmm. That it's kind of this like projecting, you know, like I would worry about doing this because it upset someone else and so. Yeah. I'm going to be upset when I find out someone else did it mm. rather than being like, oh man, if I just let myself off the hook that it's okay to want to do that thing and that that would be okay, yeah. then I'm also threesomes? not going to be as hurt. <laughs> well, threesomes is a common one I think comes up for people, uh-huh. actually. I think threesomes comes up for a lot of people. That's not what I'm talking about specifically. But if you find out you mean that like a partner had like a, a partner threesome, had a threesome and you're like, oh. You're right, right. Yeah, that maybe yeah, that's that something sense. that, uh, you know, maybe if you're a guy, that's something maybe that you've um, you know, wanted to do, but have felt like, oh, but oh, that's like a typical guy thing to to want. So, like, I'm gonna quash down the fact yeah. that I would want that, mm-hmm. and so it'll make you extra jealous of someone else getting to have it. Yeah, right. That there's sort of all these different relationships that can that can happen in your own head to make something be vulnerable for you. Well, I think that part of what this exercise really highlights is, and I think that the reason why sometimes people get jealous of the past, and I know that I used to get jealous of the past all the time, particularly Mm -hmm. when I was monogamous, um, is because we're so used to wanting to, like, couple up and blend our identities with this other person and think about that, like, now, like, I am this identity of me plus this other person, and And so then to to talk to this person about times when they were not part of that identity with you, when they were kind of their Mm -hmm. own identity or identified with someone else, can be challenging, yeah, Yeah, but I think that's so important because that is a big part of opening up, is learning to be a little bit more independent in your identities, and being okay with your partner having an identity and a life that is a little bit separate from yours. Right, Yeah. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code multi at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. 
That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Now the next section of our talk on this is called Moving Forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So just... How do we how do we start doing this? <laughs> yes. How do we that go? question gets asked all the time? Like, yeah. how the heck do I start? Exactly. Like, yeah. What do I do? Um, of course, context is always everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that we say here is not going to be like a hard and fast rule that's going to mm-hmm. work for everyone in every single relationship and situation. Right. Um, usually, we recommend if your partner is more hesitant but they are willing to give this a try, uh, let them go first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, let them make the OkCupid profile first. Mm -hmm. Let them go on a date first. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if anything, it kind of establishes that you're not just, like, gunning to try to bang someone as quick as possible. Right, and you're not not just trying to get out of this thing as fast as you can. Yes, exactly. And I think that what's also really valuable about that is that if you are the partner who's a little more enthusiastic about this, Mm -hmm. that letting your partner go first can really illuminate for you mm-hmm. um, whether or not you're emotionally ready for this totally, or sure. not. Or it can highlight like, oh, like I thought that this would all be perfect and great, but now that my partner's also doing this, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, like this uh, is kind of challenging or oh, yeah. this unexpected insecurity came up. And if anything, it can also help you have a little more empathy for your partner totally. sure. if you're yeah. kind of putting yourself in their position right. a little bit. Something though with this, um, if you are letting your partner go first, that it is important to... The, it is important that, that that partner is willing to actually go ahead and it's do like, it. Yeah, it's actually going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it's not always just going to be, oh, Now yeah, we're just waiting forever. It, exactly. <laughs> Once yeah. I find someone I'm interested in, and then it kind of takes Never forever happens. to get there. Never happens, yeah. But also, I feel like there's... The other thing to be aware of is that this, this sense of letting your partner go first is not just sort of like... Oh, they've gone first. Now we can just go. Sure. It's yeah. more like needs to be sort of the whole philosophy of like pace yourself a little bit mm-hmm. to so this isn't some terrifying thing that just feels like you can't wait to be with anyone but them, mm-hmm. right? That it's not just let them have a first date first, but you know, don't rush into finding a bunch of dates for yourself either. Yeah. Um, to just take it slow because their first date might suck. Yeah. Emily's first like ten dates kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really hard thing for her. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right, but once you started meeting better people, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I, I, this makes sense Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. So I have a question. Yeah. So how do you think that advice applies if it's not that you're a couple opening up for the first time, but like you're already poly, mm. maybe you have a couple partners or a couple relationships and you're dating someone who's new to this. Who's new to it, yeah. yeah. How do you think that this applies? I feel like it's an entirely different thing. Yeah. I feel like in that context, my advice falls more into the being unapologetically poly Mm -hmm. type of advice. That rather than... So you feel like it's a little bit of the opposite. It's almost the opposite. Interesting. Interesting. Because I feel like it's a very different thing to start dating someone who's poly. I feel like it's actually much safer and more comfortable, even if you might not think so at first. If that person is just doing poly like they do it and are full on how they are, 
so that your as in, relationship as in like open and honest about like they're going open and on honest, dates but that they're going on just as many dates as they normally would. Mm-hmm. They're not like tailing, you know, scaling it back for yeah. you. They're not like sugarcoating things mm-hmm. for you at first until you get used to it. And a lot of people do this. I've yeah. done it with a lot of yeah, people totally. that I've dated, yeah. and it almost always. Goes poorly. It goes poorly. It backfires or it just makes things harder. Yeah. Because then the problem is that you're not consistent. Mm -hmm. And so that's the the reason why it's different is that in an established relationship that you're opening up, this is the thing that's inconsistent. This is the change. So you want to make that change comfortable and Mm -hmm. slow and check in along the way. Whereas when you start dating someone new, to try to like scale it back or shelter them and then start to change it, it's like making them go through that change process. And change yeah, that's is what's so hard. Yeah. That's true. Whereas if I just, uh, you know, the, the, my favorite example was from a an article that I read, and I, I wish I could remember what the article was or who wrote it. But he talked about how um, he had a, uh, you know, his wife would go on dates sometimes, but she doesn't date a ton, doesn't have a lot of casual partners, more like a few long-term partners. Yeah. And he has a, the author had a girlfriend who he met like at an orgy or something, and she's going, goes to sex parties a lot. Yes, I remember this article right. now. And yeah. he was saying that the fact that she's at sex parties and orgies all the time doesn't bother me at all, because she's always done that since yeah. I've known her. I've always known that's a part of her. If my wife were to suddenly do that, I could be fine with it, but it'd take me a while. Yeah, that would be a hard a change because it's a yeah. change. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say my advice is opposite in those cases. Okay. And I would really strongly urge people not to put on the kid gloves and not sugarcoat things for a new yeah. partner. And I've even had people, like friends of women that I've dated, who, you know, it ended up not working out. She ended up not being okay with polyamory. And friends being like, you should have, like, made it easier or been gentler or sheltered her more from it or like eased her into it more and I you know I'll respond I'm like actually I think it's the opposite I Mm. think I should have been more just doing what I was doing and Mm. being super super upfront about it from the beginning Mm -hmm. so if it wasn't going to work out totally it could have happened sooner Sooner or I think it actually could have worked out Mm. but I think it was the change that caused the problem interesting yeah yeah Um, I know a really common piece of advice, especially given to people who are in the context of, you know, just opening up a monogamous relationship Mm -hmm. is to move at the pace of the slowest person. Sure. You know, so that's really common advice. People will say, like, whoever's the most hesitant, like, you know, kind of take care of them. Make sure you're not Mm -hmm. moving too fast for them. And I understand the wisdom of that advice. However, I do often take issue with it Mm -hmm. because um, I think it's a false dichotomy because I, I don't think that it's as black and white as one person's the fast partner, one person's the slow partner. And this is what I was saying that we were kind of previewing is because like, sure, maybe I'm the one who's more encouraging of like, let's be polyamorous. But then maybe you're the one who's like, well, let's try going to some sex parties. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, oh, Oh. I don't know about that. (laughs) But with you with polyamory, you're like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's interesting. Or it could be very different aspects where one person is the slow person and one person is the fast person you know one Mm. person might be like i'm totally into this non-monogamy thing and both people are on board but then when it comes to actual feelings being involved then one person is like wait wait, you gotta pump the brakes you know so i think that those roles of one person being slow and one person being fast not only can they swap Mm -hmm. often but it's just like a little bit more complex than just one person or the other I, i agree also because i think that setting this precedent of saying this is my partner who's less into it or this is my partner Mm. who is 
slower about this or still not sure is also just reinforcing the idea that that's always how it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. And you'll try to make it fit that even if even it's if maybe that person is starting to get into polyamory if you've both created this narrative that they're the one who is hesitant yeah. about it. It's like, again, it's that identity. It's change. It's hard to mm-hmm. let go of that identity of being the one who's less into it. Yeah. I yeah. suppose. But like, there's the, also the really common thing of like a hetero married couple where the husband initiates it says like uh-huh. let's open our relationship the wife is hesitant but then as soon as they start online dating she gets five dates right away right. Yeah. and suddenly and way on the fast track to finding a boyfriend he's yes. having a much harder time then yeah. suddenly he's the more hesitant one totally. you know, like, so it sure. totally can swap yeah, yeah it can. that can definitely yeah. happen so moving on we're going to striking a balance which this is difficult mm-hmm. for example um, things are not always going to be equal we just right. kind of talked about right. that. Right. The fact that good, good women, segue. Well done, guys. Well, I, yeah, no, well done. <laughs> but it is true that just I don't know if this is a statistic or what, but mm-hmm. I I know that when I was on OKCupid okay and when Jace was on OKCupid okay at the same time, I would get messages daily, mm-hmm. right. and Jace might not get a message for a month, right? You yeah. know, and and sometimes it does feel mismatched in that mm-hmm. way, or if like say a partner is going out on a date and having a sleepover saying mm-hmm. like well you can only have a sleepover if I'm having a sleepover right. trying to kind of have right. this equality thing occur mm-hmm. when in reality that may not be the, the case mm-hmm. or even the case of you know getting into it and saying oh well if you you know how many partners do you have okay yeah. I have to find that many yeah, yeah or it's like yeah. oh if you're dating somebody else I need to be dating someone else and maybe that leads you to get into a relationship that you don't really like that much or stay in a relationship that you're like, you know, this was fine as sort of a casual few dates, but now I'm continuing this relationship that I don't, I'm not super stoked about just because I think I have to be Mm. either in order to be poly, which is another thing, thinking you have to be dating multiple people to identify as polyamorous, but then also just that, oh, I'm a partnerist, so I have to be, otherwise I I must not be happy. Yeah. Because happiness is measured by number of partners or something. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. or by, like, how excited that partner Mm -hmm. is about you, or Mm -hmm. vice versa. Yeah. Because your partner may be having a really intense relationship and really intense feelings, Mm -hmm. and honestly, you may not be there with a a person. Mm -hmm. And right. that can feel difficult and not equal. Yeah. So I, I feel like something that comes up for me when I talk to people about this is the idea that it's not always going to be the same. Mm-hmm. That it's going to come and go for both of you in terms of how your relationships are going, numbers of partners, whatever. Uh, you know, I've had times where I've, you know, kind of had to combat a little bit of that sort of competitive jealousy of like, oh, uh, my partner has this you know, this this really great serious relationship and, like, none of mine seem to be lasting past three months or whatever. Uh, and, you know, and then months later you find out their relationship actually was really kind of shitty. shitty. Yeah. It was awful. And yeah. you didn't know that, right? Like, you don't really know quite what their experience no. is. Yeah. You can only really focus on your own. Yeah. I've also had times where, you know, a partner's going on a lot of dates and you'll have that jealousy of them going on dates then if you really stop to think about it, it's like, God, you know, actually doesn't sound like something I'd want to do right now. Mm-hmm. But it's tricky when we think we have to be because we mm-hmm. have to somehow keep up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have to like yeah. keep this yeah. equilibrium. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 
I think the idea of balance is interesting because what also comes up a lot is people talking about monopoly relationships. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, did we do an episode on monopoly? If we, we did, did it was a long, long time ago. ago. Yeah. We yeah. Think, do it yeah, again. we're due to do it again because like, a number of people reached out to us about mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Um, and the monopoly question came up at the panel Absolutely. the other day also. And, and some people were kind of hard and fast, like, no, uh-huh. this isn't great. And, yeah. and some people said, okay, I've seen it work it's, and I think it can. Yeah, it's hard. Like, when I was writing that section of my book, I really tried to do a lot of research and reach out to a lot of people to ask like do you are you in a monopoly relationship does it work out great does it yeah. not work out great and it's really hard because it's like there are those few shining gems of examples when it works out great yeah. and people are truly happy yeah. no one's feeling disenfranchised <laughs> or taken advantage of or anything like that um, but I, I just feel like it's more likely to not work out than actually work out personally unless like like what i always tell people is that for a monopoly relationship to work out it requires both sides to have like nearly endless mm-hmm. compassion and understanding mm-hmm. for the other person and what the other person wants yeah so i i think something though cuz a lot of people i think ask this when either they have a partner who's a little bit hesitant about polyamory or isn't sure how they feel about it or maybe that they're the one themselves mm. who's not so sure about it so then they start thinking oh well well maybe I'm monogamous and they're polyamorous so I'm yeah. going to look into what a monopoly relationship is and I think that an important thing to clarify here is that that polyamory in terms of a relationship describes you know, the way the relationship's set up in yeah. terms of what you're essentially allowed to do, right? Whereas monogamy is defined by this this sort of... Closed For some people, thing. it's more of a rule. For others, it's more of an agreement. But, like, you can't do these things. The, I think the thing people get caught up on is they think that polyamory means I have to date multiple people. Mm. So I guess what I would argue with any monopoly relationship is that it's actually just a poly relationship yeah. where one person chooses not to date anyone else. Yeah. Well, and I think that's an important distinction to make. Well, yeah, I've to go that, with the subject of inequality. I like, mean, that I have said that before, be that like a monopoly relationship, either it's a poly relationship or it's a monogamous relationship. Well, like, yeah. it's kind of one or the other because depending on what the agreements still, are. Mm-hmm. And it's still like how you deal with your partner dating someone else. Yeah. And that can still mean polyamory. Mm-hmm. If right. you're, because I don't know if Jace and Dedeker are dating and Jace is just not wanting to date anyone else mm-hmm. but he's still like you know actively being kind and good to Dedeker when mm-hmm. she's dating a bunch of people that still is polyamory to me right. yeah it's like the fact that you can be someone who identifies as being polyamorous and be single yeah mm-hmm. that it's not defined by the fact you're dating multiple people it's about how you approach those relationships and what you expect from them and yeah. how you you know how you would treat them when they're with other people. Yeah. So so yeah, like Dedeker has said before, and I was just saying now, like they're monopoly relationships. I actually don't think are real things. Well, it's that it's not a monogamous relationship no. unless unless it were monopoly, meaning that one person says it's okay for you to date other people, and the other person says, but you can't. Yeah. Then that, that's a mono, monopoly relationship. Mm, but I, I don't think most of us would think that's a very <laughs> healthy relationship thing. model. Yeah, probably not. But it's so more much. that you can have a poly relationship and just choose not to date anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. But it just doesn't mean that you, you can't. You mm-hmm. could, but you just might choose not to. Like, yeah. There are times where it's like, yeah. you know, 
I just don't really want to. Yeah. I, yeah you know, date, for date sure. new people. Maybe I only have one partner right now mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah, but it yeah. doesn't have to be equal. You don't have... Like, polyamory isn't so much a thing you do as, like, a, a way that you treat people. It's a state of mind, man. It's a state of mind. Oh, man. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. there are some things to be aware of with all of this. Yes. With everything. For example, yes. when Jason and I were opening up for the first time, like he said... I went on some really bad dates. <laughs> and you were, to clarify, when you guys first opened up, like, you were kind of the more hesitant on show Definitely. Yeah, Absolutely. Right? Jason heard about it for years, years and years before. Well, in I had never heard of another, Yes. But more just about open some kind of open relationship yeah. or non-monogamy or something. But it was a thing that you had been really interested in, and you had actually found a, a woman who was polyamorous I guess or who was open to a certain degree on yeah. okay Cupid yeah, and she was you in a polyamorous dating her yeah it was the first I'd heard of it yes <laughs> yeah. and you started dating her and you kind of went on this date with her with the impetus of like oh I'm going to get more familiar with this thing Wait, that I'm this so is, interested was this in when you guys were together or? well yeah yes okay. well Kind of. It, we were. It was in the week of broken up. The week that you guys were broken up. But when he came home, then we got back together. Essentially, okay, great. yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, but basically, we did that for a while. We were polyamorous, and then after a while, he, Jay saw how unhappy I was, mm-hmm. and um, said, "Like, why don't we just not for a while?" Right, and I didn't have any relationships at the time. Like yes. my mine had ended. It wasn't like I broke up with other partners sure. to close our relationship. Yeah, um, and we did that. And at the time, this all of this was exploration. It's like I don't know if this is what I what, want. What, what I want. want. Yeah. I don't know if this is what's going on. And we did that, and then later Emily came to me. Yeah, and said, "Hey, there's someone I'm interested <laughs> in." Let's, you know, I I would like to try this again. And we talked about that for a while. I want to stop the story right here, though, before we go on to the next part. Please. Which is that I think a lot of people can fall into this trap, though, of opening and closing their relationship. Because somehow that seems... It's like having an escape hatch mm, mm-hmm. of like this, you know, oh, we can try it, but I can escape back to monogamy whenever mm, I want. Whenever I want, yeah. Um, and as Dedeker was pointing out when we were talking about this before recording, that each time you do that, it gets harder. Yeah. It's, and it, again, it's that whole change thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like yeah. any time that you're like, okay, we're going to make a big change. We're going to be open. Okay, no, we're going to change things. We're going to close again. Oh, no, let's change things again. Let's open up again. No, we're going to change things. We're going to close again. And sure, people do it. People have done mm-hmm. it. But like each subsequent time that you do that, it gets harder both to like open up again and to close again and to open up again. Like it just gets harder and harder and harder. But well, that's when it when it's kind of operating off of this fear based model, in my opinion. When it's like I'm scared, it's going poorly, so we're going to close in and like reestablish something. But I do know, like I, I have family members who are polyamorous, and they each time they got pregnant, closed their relationship mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was it was not under it was just like okay, we need to be here for the family right now. Like I'm not feeling great about my body and I'm, you know, it, it, having a lot of hormones and so I want to kind of feel really secure in this specific primary relationship. Do you know a lot about the specifics of how they did that? Because I'm curious if it meant ending current relationships or if it was I just ju- like I'm not going to date new people during That's a great this question. Yeah, that is and different. I don't know. Yeah. And I agree, yeah, that obviously like hurting other people as an entire other yeah. layer for the sake well, of the primary I, like, relationship. I think there yeah. is something to be said about like if 
there's something major happening in one of your relationships. Like yeah. there's a lot of tension or mm-hmm. a big change, like having a baby or, or maybe moving away or whatever, that there is something to be said for deciding, like, let's try to avoid bringing in new people mm-hmm. as much as we mm-hmm. can right now. Right. You know, just because, like, maybe it's not quite a stable life situation to be starting to date new people. Sure. But, like, that's something different from, from being, like... Like, work ending Okay, now I just got to, like, end every relationship in order to close it again. Because that's the other concern is, like, I start to get concerned about ethics. Right. And, sure. like, how can right. someone want to be in a relationship with you and want to open themselves up to you and be vulnerable with you. If you could just cut it if, off. Yeah, if the axe could yeah. come down at any moment yeah. right. uh, out, outside of your control. Right, yeah. for the sake of someone else. Yes. Having nothing to do with your own relationship. Yeah. No, for sure, for yeah. sure. And that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is the challenging part. So, so to go back to our story, yeah. when you know Emily and I, we spent probably a week, like each day, talking, talking for a little it. while, but instead of just being like, yeah, man... Let's That's do what it. I wanted to do. Let's do it. Uh, we talked about it for a while to really determine, like, what did we learn from the first time of doing this? What do we think is different now? Whatever. And eventually got to this point of, like, okay, let's do this. You're going to go meet up with this guy, go on the date. But if we're going to do this, we're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. We're not going to go back again. Yeah. And I feel like the other part of that is that there are challenges that come up. We talk about them on this show a lot, right? Mm-hmm. There are challenges in any relationship, but within polyamory, there are some specific challenges that you might not have to face otherwise. And if you always know that you have this escape hatch of just like, oh, well, abort, I can always close abort. it whenever I want. <laughs> yeah. You don't... You don't not, actually have to grow. You're not forcing yourself to grow, mm-hmm. to work through those things, to, to find better ways, because... You don't need to, and it's easier mm-hmm. to just back out again, yeah, or to like suffer for a little while and then back out again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, right. I mean, I wrote about that in my in my blog about like opening up this relationship with my current primary partner mm-hmm. to a, to a bigger degree and having him really like actively start going on dates and how intense that was for me. And like, I've done this before. Why am I feeling all these intense emotions? Mm-hmm. And it really did take like daily work on my mm-hmm. part of being like, okay. I'm going to be okay with this. I want to be okay with this. Mm-hmm. And then finally I got there and it was great. So, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. it's, it's, you know, to use the analogy of working out or something. Yeah. That it's, if you know, you go to the gym once, you're going to be super sore afterward <laughs> and not get a lot of benefit from it. Totally. Whereas if you work out regularly, you're going to be sore at first, but it's going to get better and you're going to get stronger and you're yeah. going to get, you know healthier and all of that so I think it's a little bit similar that if we have this this feeling like we can can escape we're not forcing ourselves to do the personal growth that I think is one of the best parts of opening a relationship and looking at things at least not you know not just accepting that there's one way relationships go and that's just the default whether you're still monogamous or not but just kind of moving away from that assumption, I think the personal growth of it is the best part, or yeah. one of the best yeah. parts. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and I think you rob yourself of that mm-hmm. by by going back and forth yeah. and thinking yeah. that just like oh, whenever things are hard, we'll just cut yeah. that off. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so to leave you guys with a little something, I think that something also to keep in mind through this process, if whether you're opening up your relationship, whether you're introducing someone new to polyamory and they're, you know, not feeling so hot about it, that just bear in mind that like everyone's allowed to have their feelings. Mm-hmm. That people are allowed to feel things. If your partner's having a hard time, like they're allowed to have a hard time, you right. know, like it's not helpful to tell people like you shouldn't be jealous, you shouldn't be insecure, you no. shouldn't be feeling this, you shouldn't be doing that, you know. Um 
everyone's allowed to have their feelings. However, as I also like to say, feelings are not facts. As in, <laughs> the feelings are not facts. As in, it does require this awareness of like, okay, great, I have this feeling. It feels like shit, and I hate it. But it doesn't mean it's going to last forever. It doesn't mean it says something about me. It doesn't mean it says something about this relationship necessarily. And it doesn't mean that my partner is doing it. To it doesn't me. mean that it, yeah. And it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that my partner is doing something wrong to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like sounds very simple, but it's very difficult in practice often. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, let me see if I can find this because I wrote it down, and it was so good that you said earlier. <laughs> um, Oh well, we talked about like the different realities. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah. The idea of different realities. Damn it, I don't know if I put the it down. Competing, but, yeah, competing the idea of competing narratives or competing realities. This is yeah. yeah. So this idea that uh, you know maybe you're opening things up with a partner and you guys have read all the same books together, you're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, you decide to go out on a first date. You have a great time. You come home. Your partner's upset. Um, and that, like, in your partner's reality, yeah. it's still hurtful that, like, you went on a first date and, mm-hmm. like, challenging and really difficult. In your reality, it's like, I did everything right. We talked about it. You said it was okay. Yeah. I left. You said it was okay. You know, like, right. we've been okay at every stage of the process, but I come back and you're still feeling shitty. Like, what is that about? Yeah. But kind of maintaining this awareness of, like, okay, I understand that, like, my partner's reality right now is this, is, like, feeling alone or scared or abandoned or whatever, even though I didn't necessarily do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And your partner being able to recognize, like, okay, I know that my reality is feeling scared and abandoned and lonely, but that your reality is, like... You did do everything you right. You did do yeah. everything right. You did your due you know? diligence. Um, and, and so yeah. understanding that, like, there can be many different perceptions of a particular event and many different feelings that come up as the result of those perceptions, but that not one person has a monopoly on what the truth is, necessarily. Right. And the thing that you said that really got me was that there's a difference between um, feeling hurt Mm. and then saying, you hurt me. It is a fine line, and it's It's blurred sometimes, and it's easy to potentially be like, well, you hurt me in this moment, you did this Uh thing. But right. really, in reality, you can feel hurt without your partner without being, ever yeah. hurting you actively. Yeah, yeah. Right. That yeah. is not an active thing they did. Mm-hmm. Like, I might feel hurt as a result of something my partner did. Yeah. But it's not like they went out and hurt Did me. something to it's, me. It is yeah. a fine, you know, it seems like a nitpicky sort of semantic difference, but it actually does have oh, it's huge. very large impacts on yeah. how you respond to that and how you feel yeah. about it. Yeah. Because it comes up all the time, because it can be something like, you did everything right. Like, you went out, you mm-hmm. went on a date, like, you maybe you slept with someone new, and then you came and, like, communicated it, and you were safe and everything, and mm-hmm. but your partner still feels upset. Mm-hmm. And if your partner goes to this place of, like, you did something wrong, because I feel upset, that must mean you did something wrong, or right. I'm going to find something that you did wrong, right. versus, like, I know you did everything right, but I, I feel upset, and let's talk about that. You know, that's subtle difference, but it makes a lot of difference. Yeah. Yeah. And then also with this, I think, helps the person who's worried about hurting their partner understand that you don't have to feel guilt that you don't have to feel that guilt yeah Mm. that they're in their reality they could still be very hurt because of something that you did but that it but that you don't have to be guilty about that that it doesn't mean that you're wrong yeah like Mm -hmm. that there's also the dichotomy on that side totally Mm -hmm. Uh, because i think that a lot of times it it's easy to fall into this trap of of this cycle of kind of by default feeling guilty about going on a date with anyone else totally. or having any kind of sexual experience. Yes. 
and that I like to make the argument that because you're feeling that way, you're actually more likely to subtly act in a way that's going to make your partner feel more upset, yeah, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're kind of very subtly approaching telling them things with this fear. Yeah, and like a, a horse that can hesitancy. smell fear. Yeah. Right. <laughs> people are good at <laughs> people are good at identifying other people's feelings just like horses are. yeah it's like people are good at being horses <laughs> people are good at being horses that's the moral of the story oh for this episode. well on that note now that we've gone longer than we intended to Way and longer and we've realized that people are horses and people are um, horses yeah. where, can where can they find us yeah where can they find us if you want to check out more of our stuff you can go to multiamory.com or you can find us on facebook multiamory or on Twitter at Multiamory, Instagram Multiamory underscore podcast. Basically, just search Multiamory and whatever your favorite social media is. We're probably there. Uh, if not, let us know that you would love for us to be there. Uh, and of course, take a moment to write us a review if you haven't already. Uh, if you didn't take a break earlier in the episode, do that. It really does make a big difference in terms of helping other people find us. And if you want to get involved in the community and helping us to expand this and do more things and more live events and more online events and create more shows, uh, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash multiamory. All right. right. Uh, We look forward to hearing from you. See you next week. Bye. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.